everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guide, your insider's guide to all things franchising and small business in the local area. I'm Blake Martin, local small business franchise owner and your Heartland Franchise Guy. This is the place for advocacy, resources, and education on all things small business and franchising in the local area. And it's a great place for any entrepreneur to stop by who just wants to learn more about the franchising and small business industries. Now, that is a great segue to our guest today, John Hoich, entrepreneur, real estate developer, philanthropist, and founder of Hoich Enterprises. John, thanks so much for being here with us today. It's a pleasure to be here, Blake. Well, I appreciate it. And I left one off. There's a long list for you, right? Author. From Author, the ground up. From the ground correct? up right here. And we're going to talk a little bit about just that, aren't we? A very well-named piece, <laughs> knowing what I know about your background. And that's probably a great spot to start, isn't it? So there's a lot of folks who have heard your story over the years, probably read your book. And we hope that there's some new listeners who haven't yet. So would you mind sharing a little bit about the really unique and, and at a very young age way that your entrepreneurial career began? Well, it, it all started... A long, long time ago, but yesterday seemed like yesterday, right? And so I was uh, <laughs> born in Council Bluffs, Iowa, from a beautiful mother named uh, Rebecca Leona Hoich, and uh, uh, four sisters and a brother. My brother passed away at 21 of a bad heart, but I was uh, hmm. suddenly tragedized um, by a father that was an alcoholic that was the woman that my dad uh my mom married my father, John, and uh, they had uh, four daughters and another son named Michael who died. And they, uh, the story was a broken family, divorce, domestic violence, uh, a father that was a very abusive father to myself and to my sisters and to uh, uh, my mother uh, extremely, where she uh, um, was a hairdresser, cut hair and I uh, start a paper route at 10 was my first entrepreneurial uh, business. I had three paper routes by 13. And in 1970, when I was uh, 12, I bought with my mother a Sears Craftsman lawnmower, which is pictured in this picture here in the book. And that's uh, sort of the beginning. But at that point, I was still just mowing the yard at the house. And uh, we're on welfare and food stamps and ADC, six kids. And my mom got $15 a month child support from my alcoholic father who had filed bankruptcy. Uh, I had to quit Boy Scouts. I had to, they, they repossessed my snare drum. I wanted to be a drummer and guitar player. And so nothing went my way. And all I knew is that if I wanted anything, I had to do it myself. From five to 11, he would tear me out of bed and tell me, as he threw my head through drywall at 11 o'clock at night uh, consistently, coming home from his bar at 28th and Q, uh, which we'll talk about the bar in a little bit uh, that's at 28th and Q, called the first and last chance that he bankrupt when I was uh, 10 and 11 years old. And he'd come home and always say to me, you're a no good rotten little bastard, you'll never amount to anything, as he constantly punished me uh, with no reason. So that... Either it takes one person one way or another. You can either become that pattern or overcome adversity. And I think my middle name is it's John Lee Hoich, but 
I think it's John Overcome Adversity, Hoich, because my entire life I've had to learn how to overcome adversity, and that's what I have done with my life. And the paper route went to construction, to restaurants, to gas stations. Uh, I started an employment agency at Westside High School uh, trying to find kids' jobs to get off their butt and and, uh, go to work, and that was for volunteer. I got Youth of the Year of Omaha, and I went to uh, find these kids' jobs, 300 different owners of businesses at 15 years old, and uh, introduced 300 kids' jobs to 300 different businesses. And unfortunately, at 16 years old, my mother died in front of me. I was the oldest of the six, as I said, and my father was forbidden to see us, so we had no mom, no dad, and here we are, bankrupt, and I was in six foster families prior to that, and now we're all split up and put in foster homes again. So I started my own business at 16, no mom, no father, no money, with that Sears Craftsman lawnmower, and that's how it began. Wow. I would certainly agree with adversity being a middle name. What kept you going? I think the fear, which fear means found, you know, false evidence appearing real. But at that time, it looked real. It felt real. And I felt that I did not want to be that person my father said I was. Um, and towards the end of this, I'll tell you, I think why he called me an all good rotten little bastard, you know, as, as a child, uh, I found some new news at 23 and me about three years ago. And, uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I give God the glory. Uh, I totally am open about that. Jesus Christ is my Lord and savior. And, and, and without God in my life, uh, I believe in all people. I believe in all races. I, I, I believe in all religions as far as people. I think that as you're raised in whatever you're raised in, that's what you believe in. And so I can understand anybody's feelings about any religion or in, in zero racist my entire life. I love all people and I'm a big hugger and I love and care about people. But I just, uh, I felt bad for my dad and I knew, and then he died right after my mother. He was 260 as an adult. He used to be a professional wrestler, four years in the Marines, uh, killed people. I think he had PTSD that, you know, yeah. uh, post-traumatic disorder, you know, tra- depression and all these things that he, that they didn't know how or understood back in the forties, fifties and sixties, you know, and, and early seventies. And so I think that that was a lot of his reason of violence and alcoholism. He smoked three packs a day, 27 screwdrivers a day. And so, uh, I was, uh, in high school, uh, as a state gymnast in parallel bars and, uh, loved it. But uh, I was the one that didn't drink. I never smoked anything in my life, even up to this date. I've never smoked anything of any kind, never did drugs and hardly drank. And, and when I have more than a couple glasses of wine, I, I really start preaching. So I need to do So I know I shouldn't. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I've just been trying to be healthy my whole life and practice what I preach. And so I overcame the adversity because of God. I, I didn't want to give up. I wasn't, uh, I was always one that never could be said no to. I always just figured out a way to make it happen. Never give up is kind of my s- slogan every time throughout my life, never give up. And at 14, I picked up a saying uh, from Maxwell 
Folgers Coffee, Mrs. Maxwell, was on TV on the commercials, and they would have a coffee pot that would perk, percolate, and mm -hmm. it would say, wake up to, you know, Folgers Coffee, bloop, 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 bloop with the... Yeah, and I so remember that. I came up with a saying with that at 14 saying, circulate to percolate. And so my whole <laughs> life, I've been a circulator to percolate and uh, and make it happen. Uh, my mom said a few things to me that I can only remember because she died when I was so young. But one of them was, if you don't ask, honey, you'll never know. And so I asked everybody for their business. And after 16, I started that lawn service with the Sears Craftsman Lawnmower, and I went to those 300 employers that I found kids' jobs for free in Karma and ended up signing up most of them for lawn customers and graduated from Westside High School, which is, I love Westside High School. Uh, I'm honored to be very involved with Westside. And I felt that I didn't belong there because I didn't have a mom or dad in my junior year. And when I did have parents, they were divorced. My mom was in the hospital with nervous breakdowns. My father and mother were divorced, were on welfare and food stamps, living in Hollywood High, District 66. So it was, you know, back then pretty embarrassing with all my friends having Trans Ams and I had a Schwinn bicycle. <laughs> and But that intimidation, I think, power, empowered me to say, I want that. I want to work my way to have the things that I couldn't have as a child. And uh, that's what I spent most of my life trying to acquire is... Uh, overcoming adversity and getting everything that I ever dreamed of having. And that becomes a whole nother story in life, but it, but I, that's what I achieved for. And also, I was the luckiest guy to be invited by my pastor of my church, Pastor Walker at Glad Tidings Church. And he invited me with uh, Alan Harn, my uncle, to Rotary. So I joined Suburban Rotary Club, and I believe I'm the youngest ever joined Rotary. I've got my Rotary pin on today. The youngest at, ever, uh, no kidding. Since 1905, uh, Rotary's got 1.4 million members and 33,000 uh, 33, clubs in 195 countries. So it's huge. And it's not about any religion. It's not about any politics. It's not about any race. It's about all people, 195 countries belong, all cultures and one, three words that run Rotary called service above self. And yeah. so I've been so honored to be part of Suburban Rotary and worked with Rotary International. I'm an Arch Clump member, which you donate a quarter of a million or more. I mean, I've really made a serious commitment. But being the youngest at 19 joining uh, was the best thing that ever happened because I started going in, to a club that you had to own your own business to be in it so that most people don't own their own business till they're 40 or something. I was 16 when I started it, and so 19 I qualified to, to join Rotary, and I have 44 years perfect attendance. So I've never missed a meeting made up, you know, at a different club. If I couldn't go that day at my club, it's the same week, made up in 38 states, 14 countries. So I love Rotary for what it stands for. But it else also, you don't ever solicitate business in Rotary, but it came natural. And I would introduce myself to someone, they'd introduce themselves to me, and uh, I created a, a relationship. And that was what set me apart from all my competition uh, in any kind of business. You have to figure out how you can outdo your competition to get the, to earn the other person's business. I've always felt sorry 
for my competition because I love all people. So I never looked at my my competition as competition. In fact, because I had such great relationships with everybody, a lot of my competition, when their lawnmowers broke down or something would go wrong, they'd ask me to help them out, you know, and I'd go mow for them and they'd pay me. And so I picked up more business from my competition than anybody I met because I was always there for everybody. Not afraid of some hard work. <clears throat> so I'll be really honest. I have not read the book, but I'm going to read it this weekend. Hopefully a author signed copy. All right. But that title holds a whole lot more weight in my mind now from the ground up. Well, what? it's it's been a long journey and the, the lawn mowing relationship, the rotary relationship. Uh, I start getting in, you know, I joined uh, Young Republicans when I was 14. It was called Teenage Republicans, TAR. And, uh, but I love Democrats too. I love all people, but I always kind of lean towards a lot of the Republican, conservative, business-minded um, that I think that uh, encourage me to, to lean that way. I think I also think pretty independent lately as I've gotten older, you know, of looking at all views and everybody's thoughts and ideas to give everybody equal opportunity. Um, I also learned that stuff is nothing. Um, I, when I was so young with my dad telling me I was worthless and I never accomplished anything, that everything I could get my hands on, I felt defined me because that was what I thought was success. I thought net worth from the Forbes reports and you know, who's rich and what their net worth is was, you know, the source of learning about what success was. And as I built my lawn business in 1982, I bought a nursery and 20, interest rates went to 22 percent. And mm -hmm. uh, I got my my butt licked pretty hard that year and didn't uh, <laughs> realize that I signed a fluctuating interest rate on a three hundred thousand dollar loan that went from nine percent to 22 percent. I had setbacks, I didn't, uh, but I went through UNO, the University of Nebraska at Omaha, a great college. I've been on the business board of directors, uh, found, you know, advisory board for the deans at the College of Business for 25 years. I love uh, the university. My twin boys are Jeremy and Justin. I had them at, at uh, 40 years old. They're uh, five foot 10, so they outgrew me and they're <laughs> Both uh, college grads and uh, one's getting a master's in Lincoln now and environmental science and the other one is a glass blower. Neither of them wanted my business. But at the same time as I grew and I finally got married at, um, you know, 35, uh, I met my wife and 38, got married, 40, had the kids. So between 10 and 35, those years were just one great big workaholic life. And I think probably yeah. the only addiction I've ever had in my life, uh, and I admit it, is workaholism. And it can be addiction just like any kind of an addiction. And finally, I've now in detox and I'm learning to uh, <laughs> understand that net worth means nothing, cash flow means everything, and stuff means nothing. So I'm at the 80-20 rule in my life as I grew up especially 2008 and 2012, those four years of the recession, I learned so much that uh, you can't count your chickens before they hatch and even after they hatch, the chickens can go away. <laughs> so you got to remember that, you know, you're good friends, tell the truth, uh, do a good job, a good service. And, uh, you know, and as long as you do all that, people will never look at you different, whether you're poor, middle-class, rich, 
if you, whatever you've done in life, if you just build relationships of who you are and not what you have to define you, is when you really find, in my opinion, true success from a franchise business to building your own business, buying a business, or working for a company or a service or whatever you did in your life, finding that you just, uh, who, or you, who you are is what's more important than what you have or who you know. And that's been the biggest blessing that I've overcome adversity again, even after I went through the hell that I did as a young man. And uh, I, I love helping people. So when I was 30, I made my first million mowing lawns. And I went back to Westside High School and said, I want to help a scholarship to a boy or girl that goes to this high school that had a hell life of hell like I did and how they overcame their adversity by a 300-word essay. And this year I've given my 35th scholarship to a boy and girl who writes that 300-word read by about five people at the district. And that's what the Hoyt Alumni House is about at 90th and Pacific in, the, in a reflection room there that has my first paper route bag of the Omaha World Herald, my safety patrol badge, and a lot of the businesses I've owned and real estate assets uh, kind of tells the story. But the conclusion of the story is the profits of those helped put people to give them a hand up, not a hand out. And I really believe in that. And I was on the Omaha Planning Board for 18 years, giving them my time. I think I was one of the longest serving, but I was so given back by what I learned by serving. And I was able to learn so much about real estate development, lawyers, engineers, architects, what that 18 years that had helped me build my success in real estate. And we tore down a bar through the Stevens Center on, on South 28th Street and uh, off a of queue. That bar was my dad's the one that ruined our lives as a children, called the first and last chance. And now it's called the John L. Hoyt Center for Recovery, giving 32 women and 32 men a second chance. And so the, the, however you make your money in a business or franchise or, or if you're inherited, you're in, the, you know, in generational wealth, however it happens, I think it's so important that you remember to give back. And Rotary is a good way to, to give back by your time or money. And uh, by, because it's service above self. But what is your passion? Everybody needs to find their passion in life so as they become successful, they can give a hand up to somebody and not a hand out and give them a chance in, the, in the life over and above just mm -hmm. living and breathing. Well, congratulations on all the success with the benevolent giving that you're doing. 35 years of the award, that's, that's fantastic certainly sets a great tone for others. You, how many businesses have you started over the years? Well, I had a lawn service. I had a sprinkler business called Hoyt Irrigation, landscaping, snow removal, tree service. I also got into the military uh, off at Air Force Base in my 30s with a partner named George Allison and Bernie Marquardt. Who'd, unfortunately, Bernie's passed. George's still a great friend and we went off and uh, mowed military bases across the United States. Um, I think we've did nine different military bases in my career when I, I ended up um, going on my own from that business, and it was called U.S. Grounds Maintenance, Inc. And so I, that was its own division, you know, million, you know bidding. Uh, I had a, my own plane for several years that I shared with a couple guys where I was able to fly to the bases and 
It was such an opportunity to uh, that after about 30 some years of mowing military bases, I felt like I was in the service. I don't compare (laughs) myself to the man or woman that fought for our country, but being around them for 30 years of my life, I just felt so part of it and really respect anyone that's been in the armed services and protecting our country. I have the highest regards to, and I donate a lot of my time. 24 years I've been on the military air force, uh, military uh, academy appointment selection committee for the second congressional district, helping uh, pick boys and girls uh, by a matrix of who gets to attend those military bases chosen by our congressmen. All the different things that I've tried to do and give. Lakeside Hospital, I've been on their foundation board 20 years. Um, I just love certain groups of uh, programs that are diversified in helping people with faith-based, and many of them, and giving back, uh, caring about people. And so the businesses have been charities and they've been businesses. I was in an yeah. ethanol plant. I was in a packing house business uh, partnership. Uh, I was in a... Uh, Um, lots of types of real estate from industrial to apartment complexes that I still am very active in and and, uh, uh, shopping centers developed uh, subdivision type commercial developments like Southport by Cabela's. I did the Southport East that I bought from Ron Smith and, and finished it up and it's still got a few acres in there for sale. And it's been a lot of diversification of real estate. I was a partner with, a very close gentleman who I love with all my heart, Jerry Slusky, a real estate attorney um, for 20 years we did. He taught me so much about real estate, and I learned so much from him, and I'm so grateful for our relationship uh, of what to do, what not to do, and when, and sometimes we did it and shouldn't have, and you know, and you learn from your mistakes. And uh, But most of the time we we did better than we didn't, than we didn't. And just like <laughs> Tiger Woods playing golf or um, – the Jordan shooting basketball hoops, you know, you, you don't win them all, but you're going to win more than you uh, lose if you keep just getting up to bat and swing, right? And so that's what I continue to do throughout my life is no matter what diverse adversity I went through and from a child through adult, I never stopped swinging the bat. I just kept uh, hitting, trying to hit the ball out of the park. And uh, now I'm at a point in my life where I'm okay with just getting to first base. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is a perfect spot for us to pause for a moment because as suspected there's just there's so much good info in here but we had a feeling we were going to turn this into two episodes and right there where you're talking about continuing to swing and sounds like we're about to get into how your decision making has evolved and that's where i'd like to come back for our second episode and talk a little bit about that Um, so at this point we're going to wrap up the first episode And all of our listeners will know that the second episode, we're going to be focusing in on how some of that has evolved. And we're going to hear a few answers to things John brought up in this first episode, like the 23andMe, I think. Sounds wonderful. Thank you for the first time for this first episode. We greatly appreciate you being here. Never give up. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Stick with us for a moment while we get ready for the second episode. And for those of you who are listening, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Heartland Franchise Guy. There's some great nuggets in here and there will be in the next one with John Hoyt. So make sure that you subscribe, follow, and share. And we will see you again here on the next episode with John Hoyt with the Heartland Franchise Guy.
A Huda Media Production.